The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said to his disciples, As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. In those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day that Noah entered the ark. They did not know until the flood came and carried them all away. So will it be also at the coming of the Son of Man. Ten men will be out in the field. One will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one will be left. Therefore, stay awake. For you do not know on which day your Lord will come. Be sure of this. If the master of the house had known the hour of night when the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and not let his house be broken into. So too, you also must be prepared. For at an hour you do not expect, the Son of Man will come. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Good morning. Before we dive into these amazing readings, if you may of you may have noticed already, if you look in the pews, we now have a long-awaited misled. And we, have, we haven't had misled since the scourge of COVID. So, and so now we have them. And if you notice this, it's a, it's a different publisher than what we've used in the past. As we were looking at different publishers, as we ordered new books, I decided to go with this publisher from Ignatius Press. They're a local company based out of San Francisco. And the reason why I decided to go with their pew missile, as they're called, contains all of the readings for Sunday, all the prayers, especially if you're learning your prayers at Mass, the front section has the order of mass. The back section has many of the hymns we traditionally use. And the reason why I chose this publisher is the quality. If you look at it, the artwork, the pages, the layout, it's simply more beautiful, in my opinion. It is more dignified, worthy of the holy mass. If you, if you recall the previous missalettes, the paper was like newspaper. And, and so I, I never liked that particular publisher. And so I decided to go with the Nation's Press again because I think the quality of this book is it's, it's more worthy of what we do here as we celebrate the Holy Mass. 
And so we'll try this out for a year and see how it goes. We ordered them in Spanish as well, but unfortunately with supply chain issues, it's long delayed. So it's somewhere in the middle of the ocean, I think, on a, on a, on a freighter on its way here. But uh, it's, uh, it's on its way. We're hoping to have it before this Sunday. But, so we'll have these in English and in Spanish. And so again, it contains all of the readings for Sunday Masses. So again, missiles are here. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. As we begin this beautiful season of Advent, which marks a new liturgical year for us in the church, the colors shift. If you notice, we're wearing purple. The readings have a certain theme. And it all beautifully, in the riches of the Catholic Church, it mimics even the changing of the seasons. So, of course, we're in the middle of fall. As we all enjoy during fall, the leaves are changing color. The weather becomes colder. Darkness descends upon us earlier. We bring out our warm coats. Then the seasons, in a sense, speak of the end. And the church seizes this opportunity to focus our hearts and our minds on precisely the end. It is the common thread from the readings of Isaiah, the readings of St. Paul, the second reading today to the Romans, and the beautiful gospel reading. The common through line of all of the readings today asks, Are we ready for the end? This topic of the end times, as we call it, causes much confusion and anxiety among a lot of people. In fact, entire religions have been built upon people who say, I know when the end is coming. Do you remember, it's about 2010, 2013, around that time period, a local Protestant pastor had made huge headlines just down the freeway in Oakland, by the name of Harold Camping. Harold Camping convinces parishioners that he unlocked the code in the Bible about when the end would come. And he bought thousands of dollars worth of of billboards proclaiming the end of the world is near. And they put it all over California, all over the United States. And many of his parishioners, they sold their, their houses, their life savings, because they said, we don't need this if the end of the world is coming. And many of them became broke because of this. And so the date was set. The date grew closer and closer. His prisoners got anxious. The date came, and guess what happened? Crickets. (laughs) Absolutely nothing. And he said, oh, I miscalculated the date, and then he had a new date. And everybody freaked out again. The date arrived. More crickets. But Harold Camping falls in a long line of these doomsayers. Are you familiar with the person Charles Russell? There's another prominent person who preached that he had unlocked the secrets of the Bible and knew the end date. We now know them of the church he founded. They're called the Jehovah Witnesses. 
They're well-dressed, they're always on street corners, they're knocking on our doors in the middle of dinner time. But the Jehovah's Witnesses were founded upon Charles Russell's prediction. He had said, oh, the end of the world coming, 19, I think his first date was 1910. And same thing, his whole congregation freaked out. The date drew closer. Crickets. They said, oh, I miscalculated, and actually it's 1913. And then everybody freaked out again. Day came, nothing. And then conveniently he said, oh, actually the end of the world did come. But it was a secret one. It happened. It just, you just didn't see it. How convenient. Don't believe anybody. Because there will always be new preachers, fiery preaching that the end of the world is near, and they know the date. And then if you're not in the boat, you're going to go to hell. Don't believe them. We do not know the hour, the day, or the time when Jesus will come back again. But we know that He will come back. And it will come back in the words of our Lord today. And I quote, As it was in the days of Noah, so it was at the coming of the Son of Man. So what our Lord here just does, he compares what happens in Genesis chapter 6, in the story of Noah. Where Noah was warning the people that God would send a flood to cleanse the earth, which had become wicked. But nobody would listen. And he said, because they were listening, it says that people were eating and drinking before the flood, marrying, giving in marriage. In a sense, they were going about their daily lives. And then the flood came. Suddenly, two men be out in the field, one taken, the other left. Two women grinding mill, one will be taken, the other left. He's speaking here about the suddenness of when Jesus will come back again. And we will never see it coming. But, there are certain signs that will precede it. And if you're interested, and if you have your some, some people take notes during Mass. I point to you to the Catechism of the Catholic Church, so this isn't me just mouthing off, preaching out my, my calculations, my secret knowledge, no. I give into you the, the hard, beautiful, steadfast Catholic Church's teaching about the end times. If you go to your Catechism, beginning in paragraph 673, the key number, and it lays out the signs that will proceed when the end of the world will come. So until these signs happen it's not going to be tomorrow maybe, I don't know could be. but these signs must proceed at first the first one the full number of the Gentiles will come into the church the Gentiles of course are non-Jewish people so there is a number, we don't know the exact number, but the full number that will come into the church and convert to Christianity so the full number deemed by God in his, in his wisdom, whatever that number is, has to be reached. And so when that number is finally reached, that's the first sign. It's a mysterious one. The second sign. The full inclusion of the Jews in the Messiah's work of salvation. Meaning, the Jewish people, our Jewish brothers and sisters, will convert in mass. 
They will finally recognize Jesus Christ as their long-awaited Messiah. The veil will be removed, and they will see Jesus as He whom God had promised from the very beginning. So all of a sudden, the Jewish people, the entire nation of the Jews, will convert and become Christian. That hasn't happened yet, because our church is not full of Jewish people. <laughs> not yet. So that's the second sign. The third sign, it's a little more ominous, and I think this is where a lot of the anxiety comes. There will be a final trial in the church. The last battle, so to speak. And this last battle of, in the church will rock the faith of, the, of, the, of Christians. So many of them will lose their faith because it wasn't strong enough to endure And this is called the great apostasy. The mass falling away of the faithful. Whatever trial this is, again, our Lord points different signs. Wars, plagues, tribulations, uh, battles between nations. Again, calamities. And it will rock our faith that many people will lose hope and follow it. Third one. And then the fourth one, the rise of the mysterious figure of what we all call the Antichrist. The Antichrist is a figure who will display power, strength through his preaching and his language. He will woo people by his promises. That he will lure people away from the true faith because of, again, of of his majesty, of his prowess, and he will give people false promises, and whenever somebody gives us false promises, oh, the people will follow. But we know that he is the Antichrist because he preaches against the church, denies the coming of Christ in the flesh. So this, this mysterious figure will come. So until all of these events happen, the second coming would then follow. But we do not again know the time or the hour. As we enter into the season of Advent, all of the readings will focus and to ask and pose a question before us. If the end would come tomorrow, if, again, it could happen. All of this I just laid out could happen after Mass. Are we ready? Are we ready if Jesus comes back again in the final judgment? St. Paul, riding to the church in Rome, you almost hear him begging. Brothers, sisters, stay awake. Now is the time, Paul earnestly says. He says, do not give yourselves into drunkenness and licentiousness to the sins of the flesh. What is Paul speaking about? You see back at the people at the time he was writing, the Romans had a tradition of, of these, these sensual festivities and gatherings. They're called komos in Greek. 
So and so, and is linked to what's called well, to one of the deities of the Roman people, called Dion- the, 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 the god of Dionysus. And in their cult of Dionysus, they would have they would get together the pagans, and they would come together and just drink and eat and have these sensual parties. In a sense, it was a in a, in a way it was a modern version of, of a frat party in, in the worst sense. They would come together and just come into the debauchery. And so many of these pagans had now converted to Christianity. But what happens when you're used to the old way of life? It's hard to break old habits, isn't it? And so some of them are falling back into these practices of going to these parties and drinking themselves and eating and living the lives of the flesh. And St. Paul is saying, stop it. Stop behaving like everybody else. For the day is coming and is now near. Do not give yourself to the lust of the flesh and be ready. Because it will come at an unknown hour and an unknown time. And so I want to pose as we begin the beautiful season of Advent, and as part of our visual cue after the prayers of the faithful, we will bless the Advent wreath. We'll light each candle as we get closer and closer and closer to Christmas. Each candle will be lit. So we'll light the first one today. This is a visual sign. Oh, Jesus is coming. Get ready. But ask ourselves, am I ready? Take a long, hard look at yourself. Is there anything holding me back from my faith? Is there an obstacle that I will that, that allow that constantly allows me to stumble, which stops me from giving myself completely to Jesus Christ? Are you and I living our Catholic faith to the full? See, all of these questions we now take stock during Advent. Or here's another pivotal question. When was the last time, my brothers and sisters? You went to confession. Ah, oh, that hard, the hard question. Confession is one of the most beautiful sacraments Christ left us. Is there a sin in your life that you have not brought out into the light? By the way, I, I command the light here. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Special effects from my heart. But is there anything in your life that you have not brought out into the light? Bring it. Bring out everything. All of your filth. All, all of your vices. Lay it before the Lord. Encounter His mercy. Oh, if there's anything holding you back from years, I don't care if that sin was 20, 30, 50 years ago. Bring it to, to Jesus Christ. Be set free. And let hold nothing back. And so during this time of, of Advent, as Isaiah, St. Paul, and now our Lord in the Gospel is speaking to us. Get ready. And if you're not, we're waiting for you. Come to confession. There's no greater way to prepare oneself. And one final note. When we are ready, 
The Christian who is firm, who knows the Lord, living their faith well, they will never be rocked in their faith. No matter what fiery preacher predicts whatever future time, no matter what calamities, no matter what wars or plagues happen, all the Christian that's ready stands like a rock. Because they know who the Lord is. And whenever He comes, they say, Lord, I'm ready. And that's where we should be during Advent.